Zimmerman drills this ball across. This falls from Mukhtar on a shot. He buries it. Hattie Mukhtar does it again. His 15th goal of the season. He has the Golden Boot lead, and Nashville is up two on the road. Apple TV plays Nashville SC's goal against Sporting Kansas City. The boys in gold a 3-0 win in midweek in the Midwest, and they go out to the West Coast and drop two points. They led 1-0 against San Jose, but ended up uh, with a 1-1 draw. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who have covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the creator of ClubCountryUSA.com. Let's not bury the lead, though. We have another longtime club voice joining us in just a few minutes. Former Nashville SC TV voice, Tony Husband, who is now a member of the National Apple TV broadcast team. Tim, it is going to be so good to catch up with him. Yeah, and obviously, uh, Tony, his his voice and, and his personality have been a part of Nashville SC since the club's beginning as an MLS franchise. So that's something that... Um, you know, longtime fans of the club will will hear a familiar voice and, and newer fans of the club might still recognize the voice. But certainly if not, um, it's somebody that that speaks from more experience than just being a national Apple TV uh, voice. It's going to be awesome to, to chat with him. You'll enjoy what he has to say. Everything from uh, college football, of course, because this is a college football podcast uh, to his observations of Nashville and other teams across the league and some of his favorite cities that he has visited. But Tim, first, Nashville SC is on the cusp of clinching a playoff spot now, an eight-point lead over 10th place DC United. So doesn't take much now for them to get across that line. But they're, of course, trying to focus on climbing up, and they put themselves in decent position to mount a climb up the table with a four-point week, even if it could have been six, uh, if, if not mm-hmm. for the final 20 minutes in San Jose. Yeah, the uh, pre- preview that we gave last week, we said, oh, yeah, four points out of this would be a good week. And somehow it it feels a little bit disappointing based on how the proximity to six points was really right there. Um, I also think that maybe some Nashville fans will feel they're lucky to escape with that point in San Jose because of the way the Quakes managed to pour it on in those final 20 minutes. So um, it's not the ideal week by any stretch of the imagination. It didn't climb Nashville SC up the table, but when you look at where they stand and what they need to make the playoffs, it certainly helps there. And um, you know, it's better to get four points than three. If you are looking to climb up the table, I'm um, still a chance to catch uh, Atlanta with the two games in hand. Um, that's a situation that I think Nashville SC fans uh Maybe see as a little bit uh, of a dream, but but certainly it's something that's possible with this club uh, playing pretty well right now after the slump that they had in the midseason. I think the the way I set up the Sporting Kansas City match was that was the defining match of the of the final stretch. If Nashville yeah. gets three points there on the road, it's showing not only you know that they can yeah. do such a thing, and it's not just helping their math within four home yeah. games in their final five. Uh, but I think it's also helping them bounce back from a really dull, really down stretch in league play. Yeah. Is Nashville SC back in your opinion after this four point week? Do you think this is the team that we know set up to to play down the home stretch? I do think that, but at the same time, the, the team that we know isn't good enough when you have kind of that midseason slump, like we've talked about a few times in the past few weeks. They ate through all of their margin for error, basically, during that slump. And now they need to do more than just be the team that they are. They need to kind of overachieve a little bit to get back to where they were because they underachieved for that stretch. So um, is seventh place going to be good enough for this club? I I don't think they would tell you that they're satisfied if that's where they end up. 
is that the most likely outcome <laughs> unless they really kind of overachieve a few times in these final five games? I think that's possible. Three big six-point matches among the final five uh, against teams that are within reach and above Nashville on the table. Orlando sitting up in second right now. Philadelphia on the road, the toughest ask, and then a New England team that is eminently beatable after losing manager Bruce Arena and that one in Nashville next to last game of the year. But next up is Seattle coming to Nashville this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. kickoff. And Tim, the place to pregame for that, of course, whether or not you're going to a supporter section tailgate, also do that. That's great. <laughs> ML Rose, though, you're stopped beforehand. Yeah, you can go there, have a couple beers. If you uh, are not somebody who likes to take in the kind of outdoor tailgating scene, ML Rose before a Nashville SC game is basically the same sort of thing, but indoors and at a bar where you can purchase a, a wide variety of your pregame libations. You're a quick 14 minute and 20 second walk away from the stadium, as I say all the time. Um, as I have tested on multiple occasions as well, uh, both coming and going to ML Rose. But it is, uh, you know, after Nashville has been out of town for for a couple weeks here, it's something that is is going to to feel like a, a homecoming of sorts, uh, both at Geodis Park and and before the match or after at ML Rose. Yeah, I think my recommendation would be to go to ML Rose perhaps after the Saturday game against Seattle and then make it a happy hour occasion before the Orlando match Wednesday the 4th. You know, get get off work, whatever you get off work, four or five. Some of us don't have commutes anymore, but if you do, just commute on over to ML Rose. Yeah. Get a happy I'll show hour. up as soon as they open at 11 a.m. <laughs> there you go. That's my kind That's of That's Tim day. Classic right there. Hey, I got good Wi-Fi. Take your laptop, <laughs> knock out a couple of emails. May or may not have had a... Uh, had a had a pub work day during Champions League here recently. Uh, it, it's it's the the place to be, and uh, we certainly encourage you to check it out. Four chances left for home matches, and then who knows, maybe a playoff home match if if things go a little surprisingly for uh, for Nashville down the stretch. More on that in a minute, as as we were asked where we think this team will will finish in the table. But let's get to some mailbag questions quickly, and then we'll get to our interview with Tony and then get you out of here. Uh, right after the San Jose match, Wyatt reached out to us. He said, I'm not sure if y'all already took mailbag questions, but I just have one. Are we mid? <laughs> it's a fair mediocre? question. It's yeah. a fair question, yeah. I think uh, we kind of addressed it in the open, but I think the issue is this team is is better than mid, but they had a, a stretch of the season that was well below mid. Um, like we talked about in our last episode, four points over the past week was fine. Um, San Jose is a pretty good team. I know they don't always have the results that they would dream of either, but that is a pretty good team. And to go on the road, we, we've talked about how difficult it is to go to PayPal, not just because of of the team that you're playing, but because of some of the logistics of of commuting to San Jose and getting um, the team to the stadium in San Jose. It's kind of a pain in the butt. It makes it a tough place to play. It probably should be tougher if the team was put together uh, more consistently well over the years. But I think four points in those two games is not mid. I think the problem is that you already ate through your margin for error to not be mid. You need to overachieve at this stage. Nashville didn't overachieve last week. They achieved about what is expected. They're going to have to overachieve or at least achieve to their level. And I think their level is is better than mid overall. Um, unfortunately, it might end up looking mid on the table. It's weird because the schedule just feels so uh, so unforgiving this year. You know, yeah. it was a, it was a good start to the year, set up for a good finish, and yet we forget how down that mid part of the season was because it was that interrupted. A mid, so the mid. mid part, the mid mid. Nashville was mid in the mid. It was below. It was below mediocre there for just a few mm-hmm. games. But I think I forget that because League's Cup was so good, and that was right yeah. in the middle of a lot of that. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like there's been a stretch of just 
really poor soccer because that poor soccer was interrupted um, just a little bit. Uh, that leads us to Logan's question, and, and you alluded to it a minute ago, work to do to get where Nashville wants to get. Logan, with five games remaining, where do you see us finishing in the Eastern Conference table at the end of the season? I still think they're going to catch somebody. Yes, you're right. Yeah. The math the math makes it most likely they stay in seventh. They're five points back in New England with the same number of games played. Same story with Philadelphia. They are five points back of Atlanta, but with two games in hand. So there, the mm-hmm. math tells you, hey, there's a chance to catch catch Atlanta there. And then you've got Columbus also five points ahead of you. You got a game in hand on them. So you're within reach of a lot of teams here. Game on hand in hand Orlando, seven, seven points back. Really sexy radio right now, just reading off standings to you. <laughs> a lot of reading a lot of numbers. Yeah. It's it's amazing, right? My prediction is they will catch somebody. I think it's probably New England, even though the games in hand situation is less friendly there. I think New England drops. You have New England at home. There's not a bad chance you catch a couple teams and end up in fifth. I think sixth place, though, is what I'll say. I think Philadelphia is a really tough one to to gain points on them going to the road, uh, to to their place on the road. That is Columbus is looking great right now. I think I think they're going to continue Orlando. Even if you beat them in Nashville, it's going to be really tough to to catch them. But I think Atlanta, New England. One or both are right for the picking. I will say sixth is my official prediction. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good set of of uh, facts that go into a prediction of sixth. I would say that because of the of the six pointers that you already mentioned, um, New England, I I honestly wouldn't even consider Philadelphia a six pointer yeah. um, because of the uh, yeah. the games in hand situation just doesn't doesn't play out that well for that. But again, they're only five points back of, of Philadelphia, so a draw there keeps you five points back. But a, a win steals, you know, they gives Philly three uh, zero points in one match, and you get three. You're suddenly two back on the same number of games played. And you can hope that they that they don't play well over the rest of the year. But um, looking at Nashville's schedule, Seattle, I it's tough to say you you must win against a team that's in the top couple spots in the Western Conference. But at home, it, it's going to have to be a must win if you want to make up ground on anybody. Basically, um, Orlando, you can make up ground on, but uh, making up ground on Orlando is going to be really tough to actually pass them in the table. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned, Philadelphia is an opportunity, but it's on the road. It's going to be really hard. I think New England and New. York basically have to be wins if Nashville wants to move up the table. I could see this club finishing as high as fourth because uh, of the games in hand situation on, on two of the teams ahead of them. And then you have the six pointer against Philly. Again, that's a really tough one to actually get three points out of and, and prevent Philly from getting any points out of. I think fifth is probably where they end up. Um, I'm not necessarily all that sold on Atlanta. Um, as I scroll to the wrong page here, Atlanta has to play at Philly and at Cincy in their final three games um, and uh, doesn't get a whole lot easier with the other game being mm-hmm. hosting Columbus. That's probably mm. the three best teams, not just in the table, but in terms of, of, of team quality, um, depending on how you feel about Orlando, it's, it's a situation that is going to make it really tough for them to, to get a whole lot there. And Nashville has two games to also make up ground. So I think Atlanta is one that they will almost certainly catch up to. And like you mentioned, new England without Bruce arena, I don't, anticipate is going to continue to be all that good they do host charlotte um but they also um go to orlando they host columbus uh they host philadelphia and of course they have to come here and travel to geodis park that's a really tough stretch run um nashville stretch run is not super easy but i think it might be the easiest of the teams that are kind of in reachable distance for the boys in gold all right two questions left one macro and one sicko which one do you want first 
Oh, let's go macro first. All right. Hani from Finn. Hani seems to have faded almost completely from MVP conversation. Despite decent numbers, how many goals and assists would he have to log over the last several games to force his way back into contention? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's uh, a number of goals and assists. I think it's a two-pronged attack, and we've talked about it a little bit. He has to finish as the golden boot uh, winner or or tied for the mm-hmm. golden boot, I think, at this stage, uh, the way Nashville's season has gone and, and kind of the way his season has faded a little bit that has coincided with Nashville's struggles and, and you could say probably caused some of those struggles. He has to be at the top of the scoring leaderboards at the end of the season. And Nashville probably has to climb back up into fourth, which, you know, you and I both just predicted that that would not happen. So it would be a really, it's a kind of a really tall task for, for Nashville um, to kind of give Hani the boost that he needs to get into that spot. If he finishes a couple goals clear in the scoring charts, that's a different story that could really mm-hmm. kind of give him the opportunity. But when you look at guys like Lucho Acosta, um, when you look at guys like Tiago Almada, obviously Almada's team is only um, you know in fifth place, so they're not exactly lighting the world on fire, even though he is. There are too many guys that are putting up the same sort of numbers that Hani is while their teams are performing better and more consistently over the course of the year. I think both of those things need to kind of work out in Hani's favor if he's going to win the MVP. Yeah, I think he needs visible goals and the team needs visible success. I think I was going to answer that that second part as well, that it's about where the team finishes at this point. But I think visible goals get the job done for him or, or help increase his chances. Scoring in Philadelphia for instance, in a win, which would be obviously scoring in Philadelphia. And then kicking the ball into the Delaware River. I mean, Walker Zerman's already done it in PKs. So. Oh, God. Walker catching uh, strays. That's Sorry. Wes Bowling's voice. Sorry. There, hey, love you, Walker. <laughs> love you. Um, but I think scoring in Philadelphia in a win, scoring against Orlando at home in a, in a win, I think it's visible goals. It's quality yeah. of goals more so than it is a number. Yeah. In those six-pointers, especially, because yeah. those are the matches that are – that people from you know the out-of-town scoreboard are going to be watching because of what they mean to the table. And he needs a big night. He needs a couple of braces or he needs a hat trick in the remaining five. He needs something that that is going to capture a league headline. In the era of Messi, that's not always easy to do. But I think that's that's kind of what he what he needs. Um, all right, last question. This is the the sicko question here from Nashville SC Stats. Great count to follow, by the way. Uh, Kimi Amish was fantastic for Huntsville, but he's French. That's Indeed. not that that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take of I love that it sets it up like he was great, but he's French. Like that kind of yeah. reduces the greatness of that's not what he's saying. He goes on, would he take up an international spot or is there a loophole to give Huntsville international players minutes with NSC? Uh, he says, I'm interested to see if he can succeed at the MLS level. Before we get to the answer, either way, we're looking at next year, most likely, Tim. This is yeah. not a late season call-up type of situation. Yeah, so the big picture is there is an exception for international players, but they have to be homegrowns. They have to have played in the academy. He is a college uh, draft player or actually a, an undrafted rookie, I believe, um, from Nashville SC who signed with Huntsville after Nashville um, kind of you know did whatever you need to get a guy's rights to play for the MLS Next Pro Team. He would require an international spot um, and, and less than until he has a, a green card. Um, the issue with what it would take to get him playing minutes for Nashville SC is slightly different though. Cause he can be a Huntsville city FC signing and still play four games for Nashville SC. Um, he can also play, you know, non uh, MLS games. He could play us open cup. He could have played leagues cup. I'm actually pretty surprised. I'm not going to complain given the way that it played out, but that Nashville didn't try to kind of cast a wider net within its own organization to give guys minutes during leagues cup because the, the roster restrictions are so much looser uh, for that competition than they are for league play. But 
I think what you would do is, is have him continue to sign with the MLS affiliate, pull him up for a couple games and, and give him a little bit of time. Um, and then if he's good enough to play, he's good enough to play. You sign him to a senior contract and you figure out the international slot uh, as that as that situation arises. We'll wrap up Huntsville season on the other side of our interview with Tony Husband. And before that, Tim, there's one place that Tony and I always talk about. Uh, including in the interview. Including in the interview, and that is ML Rose. This is, uh, and, and he's he's remained a regular listener, by the way, and, and would always listen as well, you know, last couple of years to the show. Um, and uh, he's made it clear, we make him hungry. For, for we make burgers. Tony hungry? Uh, because Because of the... Because yeah, of the our, uh, our, our the way we remind him about about ML Rose, yes, yeah, okay, got, yes, you got there, you got yeah. there, yeah, that's fair. Um, and it's it's worthwhile because every time we talk about it, it makes myself hungry too, and I hope it it inspires the same hunger in all of our all of our listeners, not just Tony. We're recording at nine fifty two a.m. and I'm already thinking lunch. I got an early start to the workday, and uh, it, the the thing that's great too about ML Rose is wherever you are in town, it's convenient, right? Like. I'm in West Nashville. I'm a five minute drive away. If you live on the South side, of course, the, the location on eighth Avenue, uh, the original used to be called Melrose itself, uh, right down from the stadium. The one you should go to before and after matches, you work downtown Capitol view, just right there. And then Mount Julia as well. And there's going to be one in East Nashville soon, Inglewood. They, they've got the hub and spoke model working well, but if, <laughs> if you were to name a hub, you'd probably say 8th Avenue. It was the original. And yeah. for our purposes, it's the hub of our, of our conversation around, around the, uh, the restaurant. Even though where we live, uh, the West Nashville one would probably be more convenient for us, but um, yeah, no, <laughs> we, the 8th Avenue one is, is, is near and dear to us because that was, that was the one that kind of, um, in, you know, inspired this, this uh, relationship that our podcast has with them, but also because it is the one that is, you know, the most convenient to Geodis park. Um, it is no longer, uh, the one that is, is most convenient or sorry, it is now the one that is most convenient to Nashville SC, the Capitol view one. I don't think overlapped with Nashville SC's time at, at Nissan stadium. Um, and certainly the East Nashville one is not going to, but the eighth Avenue South one is, is again, that 14 and 20 minute walk from, from, uh, Geodis park. And of course, even on non-match days, uh, we run into people wearing their NSC gear or, or who we recognize from, from seeing them on television in the supporter section. And they say, Oh, we came here because we heard it on your podcast. And, and Tony husband is, is fortunately for us, one of those people as well. He is indeed. And let's go ahead and get to that chat with Tony. You'll hear ML Rose referenced at the end. A lot of other fun topics that we cover. Here's our good friend, Tony. We are thrilled to catch up with an old friend today. Tony Husband, the voice of Nashville Soccer Club from 2020 to 2022. Now part of the national commentary team for Apple TV. Tony, so good to chat with you again. It's been a while. Great to see you both. Yeah, Wes and Tim. And uh, I still obviously am, am following... Uh, Everything that you're doing and uh, enjoying, you know, this this slightly different year that we've we've all uh, we've all had, uh, and we build up to you know a really good finish to the season, hopefully. So uh, lovely to be on. Thanks for having me. You were well traveled during your time with Nashville SC, but but I know now has given you a chance to see even more venues and up your NFL stadium count. I would imagine even higher now, right? <laughs> yes, good point, Wes. Excellent. Yeah, I'm probably still the only person who really enjoys going to Foxborough. Um, and <laughs> watching soccer games there um, but uh, yeah I, I, you, you know me I love I love my stadium venue stadium junkie whether it, whether it be a football stadium or, uh, or or anything I love you know I love 
visiting sporting venues. Uh, this past weekend, got my first visit to uh, to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. I just thought that was just out of this world, really, in terms of the, the modern style. And I mean, they pulled the roof open before the game and then they closed it afterwards and the screens, you know, just an incredible venue. And uh, I had a trip to Soldier Field earlier this year. And for me, I just love the history of that. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know, again, it's a stadium that has a few questions about its longer term future. But um, just for, for me, soaking up, you know, when you think who's been in the booth, who's been on the field across anything from a Jack Dempsey boxing fight to, you know, to modern day NFL and of course MLS stars of yesteryear as well that have been on that field. So uh, always great to go to those venues, but of course matched by some of the, the great new venues as well. Tim, in the spirit of our podcast, actually be a college football podcast. Our audience <laughs> should know. Of course, Tony, a preeminent there expert in global. You got the University of Tennessee yeah. mug. I didn't right let here. you down, Wes. I didn't let you down. <laughs> we we're going to clip this interview, part of it, for a video tease. Now I know which part we're going to clip. <laughs> the least relevant to Nashville SC or to MLS, but it's still the best part. I'll send uh, you a Michigan mug uh, when I get a chance, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, I just thought this was tea for Tony. <laughs> no i didn't Wes. i promise if this your name is written in orange you believe what you want as long as it's that color orange i don't care what you what you <laughs> say the t stands for uh but but for those who don't know tony quite the quite the american football fan and not just of course the permanent uh you know english football expert here in, in these parts what's life been like though for you getting to not just see these venues but travel and and cover not just nashville sc but the league as a national tv voice for apple tv well, it's been a great, a tremendous year, Wes. You know, um, really enjoyed it. I've certainly got to know a lot more about the American transport system through your <laughs> airports. And uh, um, I've had to learn, you know, very fast, every trick in the book you can to make your travel as comfortable as, as possible. Um, I, knock on wood, touch wood, whatever. Um, uh, you know, I haven't had any uh, horrendous kind of long delays on layovers or anything like that. Everything's been pretty smooth. Um, but I think the thing I've really enjoyed the most, and I think this probably still takes me back to, you know, I'm still in, you know, a newbie in this country. Um, what I have loved is, you know, you go away to these cities all over this, this country. It's the, just the diversity uh, that you see around the country. Um, you know, I've been in Portland, Oregon uh, on a Saturday morning, um, sitting at a diner, talking to people. And I still think as much for me, as much of my research about sport and the culture of these areas comes from just sitting in, in a diner in the morning, having a coffee and chatting to the person next to me. Um, and then I go from Portland on a, on a Saturday morning. Uh, and then on the Wednesday night, I'm in Orlando, Florida, you know, and it's boiling hot. And you're talking to people who live, the, you know, the lifestyle of South Florida and that kind of tropical way of life. Um, and then a few days later, I'm in Texas and I'm talking to Texans and, you know, I'm learning that, you know, everywhere is 30 minutes drive away and it's, you know, it's boiling hot in a different way and the fan base is slightly <laughs> different. Um, so, it, you know, it's really, really interesting. It's been great just to, to get across the country, coast to coast, to see so much. And also just for, you know, I think that, you know, when you're doing this, um, your education, your personal education of the league can only grow as well. I know I felt a lot more confident this year making my votes for, say, All-Star um, mm-hmm. because I had seen almost every team live in the flesh. And I, I sat down and I thought I worked out actually something resembling a decent team. I can't remember it now, but, but you know, I, I could put the square pegs in, in square holes, if that's the way to put it. Um, and, you know, and I just had a lot more knowledge and I've, I've learned to, you know, to understand the league probably a lot more um, because I'm just seeing different teams and talking to different people every week. 
Yeah, aside from just just kind of the the diversity of different games you've been able to go to, different teams you've been able to see, what is the biggest difference in terms of not covering one specific team primarily and, and kind of being sent, like you mentioned, essentially coast to coast over the course of a couple of days at times in, in the uh, given week? Well, there's a massive kind of, in, in, you know, if you, you have to do the job properly and, you know, Wes knows this as well in terms of, you know, your prep. Um, but I think when you're covering one team, there's a certain amount of stuff that is just always in there. Now, you might still do the prep and you'll still have the copious notes, uh, you know, when you do a Nashville game. But also a lot of it will just come out naturally because you can either remember it, recall it, or you know it. Um, now, when you're doing two new teams every week, certainly the early weeks of the season, can, you know, they are hard graft. You know, this is, it's like revising for an exam every single week of your life. Um, I mean, I did St. Louis's first game uh, in Austin, which was great to do and wonderful to be, again, a part of history and to call their, not just their first goal, but their first win. Um, but of course, it was also a brand new team and a brand new roster. And my word, uh, I look back now on my my board that I had for that game, and I look at the amount of notes I had because I clearly <laughs> went and I wanted to know absolutely everything about them, <laughs> and I'd had to write it because you couldn't. And I'd seen a little few clips of them in preseason. So, um, when you're doing two new teams every week, there is that element of you know you are looking at two fresh teams. It gets easier as the season goes on, and you see different, uh, you know, you see these teams more often, but. Um, that local knowledge that still kind of has its little moments where it's just fantastic to be able to draw back on because I'll take you into the game I was doing last Wednesday was Columbus, Chicago. And Cuccio scores this hat-trick inside 23 minutes. And now I just suddenly realized just in the aftermath of the goal, where, oh, it's a quick hat-trick from kickoff. You know, I've seen one of those before. Um, okay, and then I, suddenly, then I suddenly realized, hang on a minute, well, that was against Chicago <laughs> at New Santa. And then the thing that, you know, that you can only get because you happened to be there. Nobody else would have known this. I happened to be at the New Santa Stadium game a couple of years ago. Mm. Frank Klopas was in charge of Chicago. And if anybody stops and says, no, he wasn't, Raphael Wicke was. No, he wasn't. It, it was Frank Klopas that day because Raphael Wicke was away for family reasons, so Frank Klopas <laughs> took the team. So Frank Klopas has had the two fastest hat-tricks from kickoff <laughs> dumped on him uh, in MLS in his longer distinguished career. And so moments where you, you, know, you value that kind of a time that you were a local commentator just come in, because you know, there would have been very few people who could have been able to put that together, and I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. That's brilliant. And no matter how much you prepare, it's that stuff that's just ingrained inside you from those experiences you could not have prepared for that that come out, no. which I know is it's so much fun on a broadcast when you can dig that nugget. And even if three people in the audience care about the fact, you know that you just pulled something off, which is great. I think more than yeah. three cared about that one. When you were when you're in Nashville, you were building not only local knowledge, but also local relationships. Of course, we both know Gary Smith, tremendous to to work with on the broadcast side. I'm sure that relationship has has remained strong. What about other managers that you've enjoyed getting to know this year? Anybody that you particularly enjoyed working with as you prep for these calls? I think that's one of the joys of it as well, because, you know, look, you take 28, 29 managers, you know, and you've got, um, you know, a, a diverse range of people from very different backgrounds. Uh, I have to say, you know, if I picked out a few that are just outstanding to sit and spend time in the company of, I think Jim Curtin in Philadelphia is just awesome. Uh, he's so open. He's uh, so honest and refreshingly good with you. He understands what we're doing. He understands that the more he can help us, the better we can make the broadcast, the better we can make the product, and the better that makes the league. 
And I think that comes from somebody who, you know, the league is ingrained in him. Um, Steve Chirundolo sitting down with him at LA's training ground uh, and just talking and him just, just talking about life. You know, he's somebody who follows politics, music, sports. You know, he wants to talk about everything. He doesn't want to necessarily just talk about his starting eleven the next night. So some, some great conversations. Brian Schmetzer in, in Seattle. Fantastic. Great to talk to. Gio Savarese, who so sadly left Portland now and, you know, was wonderful to talk to. Um, and then, you know, you have some of the foreign managers. Christian Natanzio, charming uh, at Charlotte and very willing, you know, to, to sit down and, and give you, you know, his time. I still don't think, Wes, and you know, you know we, we chatted every week with Gary for, you know, for three seasons and, and plus in, in your case. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that anything can match uh, an hour of Gary Smith. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just incredible, brilliant. And it's been great, obviously, on the national games I've had to, you know, be back at the training ground, seeing everybody, uh, you know, because largely, you know, not too many of the faces have changed. Um, and then we get a chance to, you know, to see Gary as well. So, you know, it's been fantastic. But, you know, it's it's great for that. It's great that the, the league and there's the buy-in from the coaches across the league that, you know, if if we can do our job better, particularly in the first year of this new platform uh, that's a long-term project, then, you know, everybody can win from it. And, and I think, you know, they buy into that. They understand that. And that is a great thing for a Brit who's worked over the other side of the pond <laughs> and had to deal with some very tough characters from time to time. So when you do make it to Nashville SC training, do, do like Dax McCarty and Walker Zimmerman have to explain to the new guys who you are and, and what your history <laughs> is with this club or what? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I'll be at their, their club awards this week. Uh, so uh, it'll hopefully be my first time to see Sam Surridge uh, because Sam actually is from Ferndown in Dorset, uh, which is only about 45 minutes away from where I, I lived in, in England. Um, and, uh, you know, so there'll be two people in the room who actually know what watching football at Poole Towns ground in England called the Tatham <laughs> ground is like. And there won't be many people in the room who will know that. But uh, no, they, yeah. Thankfully, that the core of that natural group is still there, and they're they're still it's it's great when I see them. You know, they they are a, a testament to what Mike Jacobs and, and Gary, you know, and Ali Mackay built really, because they are a tremendous group of guys. You know, you catch up with them, and they're just fabulously good and 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 nice people, and and you know. They buy players and sign players, not just based totally on their football ability. It's also about their character, how they're going to be in the, in the group. And, and you see that with Nashville. And, and it's, uh, it's always good to go down and see them. In terms of, uh, of seeing other teams in person, we talk about the relationships with, with managers and your ongoing you know, kinship with, with Nashville SC. I, I know a couple of times I've talked with Gary in the past, you know, and, and I think everybody would have this opinion of some players. Of, you know, you see him on TV and it's one thing. You see him in person and they just something jumps out at you that's just different. Are there players like that that you've seen this year? Anybody that you've said, I knew they were a good player, but when you see them in person, they just add that extra element that's even more impressive. Yes, I thought a lot about this one because you primed me on this one, Wes, and I, I did have to think uh, quite hard about it. On the just a, a, almost an aside, because you know everybody knows uh, Giorgio Chiellini at LA is a good player, but I didn't know until I met him just what a good guy he was, what how much <laughs> fun he was. Uh, just the nicest guy. I only had a chat with him for about five minutes pregame in in LA, um, but he'd just been, I think, in Houston at the weekend before, and so I started my little piece to camera by going, you know, it's a, it's a 
it's certainly not Houston here in LA today. It's only it's only eighty five degrees or something like that. And uh, Chiellini just started laughing next to me, and then we just had this <laughs> this lovely little chat. And then at the end, he was so warm and friendly, typically Italian, you know. And I thought, what a what a great guy for somebody who you know he's been there, he's done it all. He doesn't need to be sitting and and kind of you know shooting the breeze with me. And yet, you know, and yet he did. So just just as a character, I thought, you know, he really impressed me. Um, from a playing point of view, I, I've I had my doubts going into the last World Cup and kind of and I've had my doubts about the US strike force, kind of the, the core of that strike force. Um, and, and I've worried that 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 is a shortcoming with, with the US team over the last 18 months or so. Um, but I've been able to see Dallas a few times in, in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And I would say Jesus Ferreira has gone up in my kind of my estimations of, you know, what he's capable of. I've seen you get to watch, you know, a player's movement. Sometimes you just don't see it on TV. His movement is finishing. He's on 12 goals at the moment. So, you know, he's still in the conversation for Golden Boot. Um, but he's been playing in a very in and out Dallas team this year. That's been a bit inconsistent and had its injury problems and things. Um, and of course, he's been away as well. So, you know, I, I would say that he has gone up in my estimation, my you know, my humble opinion, by the way, <laughs> um, in, in terms of just, you know, a player to watch that you see, yeah, he has got some class. You were just hoping that he didn't do it against England back in November, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But I, I tell you, I knew that game was going to be difficult at the World Cup. And uh, uh, there were a couple of moments. I was watching it here in the apartment. I was still in Nashville at that point uh, before going back to the UK to see the end of the World Cup. And joining the national misery that is the, us being knocked out of a competition <laughs> every two years, but um, uh, yeah, I'll, I have to say I watched some of that game like that because I, I'm never going to live this down if the US win that because it was probably one of the best US performances at that World Cup uh, in that game against England. It's so interesting to hear you talk about you know the the experiences you've had around the league and, and in particular you know the managers understanding the importance of getting Apple TVs coverage off on the right foot and therefore being accommodating with their time. I think the coverage has been fantastic. Your work, of course, has continued to be excellent, no surprise, but the, the quality of what Apple TV's brought to, to the fore right off the bat has been, I think, really good, especially for something that has that, that came together rather quickly. I'm sure it's like a duck swimming on on a pond where it looks grace, graceful on top and there's all kinds of, of you know stuff happening beneath the surface. What's it been like to be part of this startup, essentially, to be to be part of building not just your coverage, which is established, but a voice, a feel, uh, a, you know, a relationship with a new color commentator and Ross Smith. And you guys have great chemistry. What's it been like to be part of something kind of new and entrepreneurial? Well, firstly, thanks for, for your kind words, Wes, as, as always. You know, I, I just greatly have enjoyed it. Uh, I think people have to remember, you know, it's the first year of a partnership that has a long way to run. And so if you think it's it's been a good start. I think you know the sky is the limit in terms of where we go and where we take it moving forward. You know, this year was about you know in many ways just getting the platform up and running and, and and introducing a new way of being able to broadcast. I think what's been most telling really is that you know it is really garnering attention from other leagues and other sports as to this way potentially of of going into the future. You know, being able to provide everything in one place. Um, everything is there on that season pass app. Uh, you can't miss it anything. Um, and I think that is a really interesting concept uh, in a world that is going very much down that streaming, you know, route at the moment. So um, it's fascinating. It's great to be part of it. Great to be part of something so new. Um, I count myself very lucky that, you know, for kind of almost half of my 
professional working life, I was with a, a big beast and a traditional broadcaster in the BBC. Um, and then at this stage in, you know, they're kind of moving into kind of the second half of my working career and hopefully it's a long way ahead of me yet. Um, you know, I'm with a kind of, you know, the biggest company in the world and a, and a newest, a new innovator in the way mm -hmm. we're bringing sports broadcasting. So I, that for me has been a nice, a nice contrast to move from, from one, you know, to the other. And I think there's a long, long way to go with it as well. You'll only see things continue you know, to to evolve and, you know, Apple's imprint in in how the coverage is presented and some of the, the support systems in terms of tactical analysis, graphics, they will they will all grow, I'm sure. And it's, you know, it's great to be part of and it's it's great that it's getting well received as well, you know, because we are in the very first year of it. And um, I think a certain Argentinian down in Miami has also <laughs> provided a nice boost as well. So um, so no, all in all, it's been a you know a fabulous experience. I can only imagine what the subscription numbers did when Messi came up, but but from a from an intangible perspective, what has that injection of energy been like for for your team for for the for the crew of commentators and those involved with Apple TV? Uh, how how transformational that must have been, not just for the league, but also for coverage of it. Yeah, I remember the day he announced he actually was signing. Um, I was actually on. I was one of the first voices that would have gone on season pass that night because just by pure quirk of fate, I was in Dallas for the resume, the resumption of the 40 minutes that needed to be played between Dallas and mm -hmm. St. Louis after their rain delay several weeks earlier. And I think I did, you know, I got the opportunity to come on air and go, you know, on a momentous day in, in major league soccer, you know, welcome to uh, Toyota stadium in Frisco, Texas. Um, and, you know, it wasn't so momentous what we saw in the 40 minutes that night in Frisco, but, uh, but, you know, it was absolutely a, an amazing moment. You know, I remember the night before he announced it, there was a lot of gossip going around Twitter and I, I was texting one or two people saying, you know, seems to be, you know, there's a bit of this messy stuff building. Um, and there's a lot of people are starting to say it now. Um, and, and, but, you know, it, it was just an amazing moment. I think then, then, you know, when it came out, I think it's a huge boost. There was an inevitability. I always felt that Messi was going to come to MLS, but I think that the, the question was when. And if you, you know, really put me on the spot a few months ago, I would have said probably next year would be a more likely uh, uh, situation for him to come. But for him to come now in year one as well of, of uh, you know, a new look playoff format, a new look broadcast uh, system, a system that, of course, takes the game all the way around the world. Everyone can see it. And everyone can log in and watch Messi. Um, a brilliant moment, you know, for the league, and um, a moment that will, you know, strengthen it for sure, and you know, usher in in the longer term, you know, uh, you know, a very, very bright future. I am absolutely sure of that um, for this league. You know, there are the comparisons with Pele when he came in in the, you know, in the seventies. Um, I think it's a very, very different situation now mm -hmm. because Pele came in and they were playing on whatever field they could get, football stadiums, whatever. You know, look at the infrastructure around this league now. Uh, and a partnership with a company the size of Apple that the league has got. Um, so, you know, it all augurs well um, for the league's future that, uh, you know, we have this stardust right now in the league. Um, have you had a chance to cover one of Messi's games yet? No, I haven't. Uh, I did the game before he arrived. Uh, before good timing for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was on. So, so I got to kind of, you know, mm -hmm. see, see the end. Of, I think I said, you know, well, that's the end of one era. Um, yeah. And now things are about to get messy. Um, and, you know, at that time, of course, Miami was just so far off the pace. Uh, and it's been just a great ingredient to the season, hasn't it? You know, to, yeah. to, it's it's going to be great to see 
Um, oh, I got my little spreadsheet tracking whether they can make it well, all the way back. <laughs> well, Tim, I might as well not. Come on, you're going to have to tell me if the, I will. I will trust your spreadsheet. So if you tell me they're going to make it, then because uh, I, I must admit, I'm one of those who at the beginning I just said I don't think yeah, they can too far quite behind. Make that's it. how I was too. Yeah, that yeah, and then you kind of well, out of stubbornness, you kind of want to stick to that. But you know, they, they've got closer and and had me thinking. Oh, well, maybe they are going to yeah. make it because yeah. they've won games that I didn't think they would win. Um, and it was a good result for them in Orlando because Orlando are a good side yeah. um, and considering the team Tata put out I think that's probably one of the most interesting things about it is that it's not just Messi coming into the team along with Busquets who's been outstanding I think and Alba mm-hmm. but it's actually what they seem to have done to the other guys yeah. you know, the other guys who were part of a, a losing team and now can show that even when those guys aren't there they actually can dig out a result and and that's probably one of the, the big things that Miami can can take from it I mean if they do get to the playoffs, wow, then what happens then? I, this could be wild. Um, I'm not sure Cincinnati fans would be too too happy to face them if, if that's the way <laughs> it works. But um, I think, yeah, it's going to be tough. US Open Cup, obviously, could give them, you know, could give them two trophies. What, what an incredible turnaround, you know, to, to come mm-hmm. into the league and to, to do that from when Messi arrived. Uh, yeah, I think that I, that's the big thing for me is, is how well they play even when he's not there, um, when they were, yeah. like, on pace to be just terrible and now they're suddenly charging back up even without him and occasionally without elbow too yeah and mm-hmm. you could you could chalk that up to being certainly a a surprise in a sense uh of how they're they've planned up the standings what other team has surprised you this year anybody that's really jumped out at you that, that you didn't think was going to be as good as they've been i would probably say houston uh, i've seen them two or three times um was down in houston the other week and they thoroughly comprehensively um, beat Columbus, who I rate on their day as as good as any in the mm-hmm. league. Um, and, you know, who knows where, where they could go coming into the season. I think they've just got to get a little bit higher to get more home field in the playoffs. But I think Houston, Ben Olsen, year one, you know, Ben had had a, a long and you know, distinguished time at DC, but it, you know, it ended up, you know, with a bit of a whimper. Um, and I don't think too many people saw it coming when he was appointed, comes into the job, um, Turnaround of players, no doubt, but he's also had to work with some of those that were there and, and bring the best out of them. Hector Herrera has been excellent for them this year. Um, Coco Carrasquilla. Corey Baird is scoring goals now. Um, Houston have been very, very good, and they are a difficult side to face. Uh, and much like I would say, you know, not many teams would want to face a kind of Nashville SC in a playoff situation. I don't think too many teams in the West um, would want to face Houston. Um, in in the playoffs either over potentially three games, particularly if it meant twice going to Houston, albeit the weather will have calmed down by then. But still, mm-hmm. um, Houston would probably be the team that I'd say have surprised me the most. All right, final question. I'm going to ask you what is more likely. The Tennessee Titans make the NFL playoffs mm-hmm. or Plymouth Argyle finishes in the top <laughs> six and makes the championship playoff in its first year back in that division? Oh, my God. Goodness, Wes, what a tough question. And the Titans, um, I can't wait to see the Titans going to London. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, and, yeah, soon. Um, my word. Well, look, it hasn't been a great start, has it? Um, but I feel like the Titans are, it, it's, you know, it, it's rebuild. There's a rebuild going to have to happen, but they kind of want to keep delaying it because they've still got some wonderful parts of the puzzle. Um, but, you know, it didn't go, it was not a good day on Sunday. Now, Plymouth... You know this, Wes, but um, not. I wouldn't expect many other of the listeners to particularly know, but we beat Norwich 6-2 on Saturday in the Championship. But we're in our first season in the Championship. We are proverbial kind of 
boxer punching slightly above our weight. Um, so I would not put Plymouth in with a chance of top six in the championship normally. But are the Titans going to make the playoffs? Well, the division, uh, AFC South. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, I'm going to look. I'm on American soil. I'm going to say, um, with I think I'd be, I'll take a mid-table Plymouth finish and I, I'll take a Titans wildcard appearance. Uh, I think it'll go that way. I still think that, you know, let, let's give hope. I, I've all my faith in Mike Vrabel. Uh, it's the, the Titans will find a way. There you go. You have it right there. There's our headline. Tony Husband, Titans to make playoffs. Um, I, I would <laughs> I would certainly say neither one feels the most likely at this at this at this juncture of, of either team seasons, but a lot no, of seasons play for both. Yeah, that's it's not a not an idea uh, an ideal analogy that one right now because uh, yeah neither might might happen but no there'll be a come on there'll be a wild card place there for the Titans just there you go well uh, from talking about the Pilgrims to talking about your pilgrimages uh, to various stadiums throughout <laughs> the United States we certainly enjoyed catching up with you Tony thanks so much for spending time with us don't be a stranger hey and we got to get to ML Rose soon like next couple oh, of weeks we're going. Whereas the, I am just absolutely, you know, desperate to hit ML Rose for a, for a burger and a, and a craft ale. So I'm very much looking forward to it. We'll make it happen. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, Tim, it's so great to catch up with, with Tony and so fun to see him continue to thrive. He was a shoe in, uh, I think, to be selected for this first uh, MLS mm-hmm. uh, Apple TV crew and to see him get that opportunity, but then also to deliver on it. Uh, it's always fun. Like watching Seattle, Orlando on a random Saturday night, you hear Tony's voice. You're like, oh man, good for him. And good for me to get to listen to him tonight. Yeah. And he's a guy that, that not only is he a really good announcer, um, but he's somebody that, as you heard in the interview, puts in the legwork to oh, be yeah. a really good announcer, not just for Nashville SC when he did it for the first three years of this club, but for every club. I thought that was probably the most interesting answer that he gave is that, listen, I just know Nashville stuff. It's been ingrained in my brain over the past three years. I have to put in the work, but even still, there's not going to be the, oh, I know the the Frank Klopas that he dropped on us. That's not something that that even if somebody had been calling um, this this club's games for those three years, would just pull out. I didn't remember that Frank Klopas was, was the coach for that Hani hat trick either. So this is the guy that knows his stuff and he has a dedication to the craft. And it's always cool that um, not only does he, does he do that, but he's, he's also our good friend. And, and we have a, a very talented friend of the pot. Yeah. Sure. And and I'll give Tony credit because he won't give himself that credit that he also has a, a mind like a steel trap, but he remembers those moments of those names. Mm-hmm. Being on the call with him and Gary, they'd start going back and forth on old English, like third tier soccer names from the eighties. <laughs> and uh, and I would just be sitting there smiling and nodding and it was fun. It was, it was, it was like watching a tennis match, you know, going back and forth. Like they say, two dudes, instead of getting their feelings, they just bounce names back and forth. Obscure, uh, obscure sports players. And that's exactly what they did. It's great. Tony's great. Always remembering uh, some dudes. With him. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, before we close quick note, uh, the launch pad, uh, the rocket launched. It is now back down to earth. Uh, the Huntsville season is over. They finished ninth in the Eastern Conference standings, needed to finish top seven for the playoffs, four points off the pace after a draw on the final day. But of course, Tim, the results this season always secondary to the process. What did we learn this year from the development process of Huntsville that will benefit this club moving into next year? Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting to to look at is as they as they progressed over the course of the season, they were not awesome at the beginning of the year, but as they progress over the course of the season, I think especially defensively, 
they really started to lock it down and they weren't an elite defense by any stretch of the imagination, but um, they were, you know, among the fewest goals conceded outside of the uh, teams that made the playoffs, even among teams that made the playoffs. Um, Orlando City B made it made the playoffs despite giving up 61 goals, it appears, as I as I pull up the standings. But Huntsville only gave up 45. And um, there are only uh, three teams that gave up fewer goals than that. That's uh, Charlotte's uh, Crown City FC, whatever they're called, who won who won the Eastern Conference, um, New England Revolution, too. Uh, and uh, Red Bull New York too. Obviously, Red Bull. I think people have a really good um, idea of what they are in terms of how they develop for the first team. Um, I think Crown Legacy, uh, as I just remember it off the top of my head after I couldn't pull it a second ago, is the the philosophy is that they are going to be that for Charlotte. So when you look at Huntsville, so these are kind of what you're aspiring to. What you're aspiring to is having that elite defensive unit, and and maybe you don't. Have have kind of, as Gary Smith would say, the connections or the or the fluidity in in the attack that uh, is just the nature of being a, a second or reserve team for for a club like Nashville SC. I think Nashville is, is probably fine with that. They would love to have the results go a little bit better so that the, their guys get more games, so that they make the playoffs and and have a few more games to continue developing guys, giving guys minutes, so that they can develop for Nashville Soccer Club's first team that plays um, on G- at Geodes Park. You know, they they want those guys to be prepared for that, and I think that as this club continues to develop. Huntsville is going to be not just a part that is developing players, but I think when they are getting closer to that, they're going to want to win a few more games too, just for their own right. And that's something that, um, you know, to serve the the people of Huntsville as well, that was a conscious decision to play in a different city mm-hmm. so that people in Huntsville have a team to, to cheer for and a team that is going to prepare players for a club that Nashville SC hopes people are making the trip up to watch from Huntsville as well. Good ratings for Huntsville's first season. Thanks to you for your good ratings of our show. Jeff M says Wes and Tim provide exceptional coverage that help keep me connected to the club, despite not living as close to Jonas Park as I'd like. And the ML Rose talk always leaves me craving a burger and beer. Thanks, <laughs> gents. I think we already read that one a few weeks ago, but we'll read it again to remind you. Hop on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to progress in the battle against other 440 sports podcasts to try to, to get good ratings <laughs> from you guys. Uh, a late, late arriving uh, stat uh, question here okay. because it relates to Huntsville. I will ask it. It's the same of Ollie Wright. He's clearly talented, but I live in Huntsville and never saw him play a complete 90 minutes. He would always come on at 60 or are off at 60. Um, I think that goes right back to what I was just saying. You don't want to run these guys into the ground. You want to develop them, give them minutes. Um, so thank you to Elke for the question. Um, I think it's a, a pretty good capper to the Huntsville talk too. And to the show. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to 440 Sports for the platform. Moon Taxi for the music. ML Rose for the burgers. We will talk to you guys next week.